0: KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. Conspiracy theories have always kind of been around, but it seems like there are more of them in the spotlight lately and more people willing to believe them.
1: We're suckers for a great story, even if it isn't true. We sometimes just want to believe. You know, what
0: if? They've become such a big part of modern culture and politics that Derek Arnold started teaching a course on conspiracy theories at Villanova University. I tell my class
1: that the number of conspiracy theories really has not changed over the years, but the ability to access them has changed greatly.
0: I'm Matt Leon, and today on KYW News Radio, in depth, we dig into conspiracy theories with Derek Arnold. What makes them so alluring? How do people get pulled in? And why is it so hard to change people's minds even when the facts disprove their ideas? We talk with Derek to get an academic look at why conspiracy theories have grown into what we're seeing today. So before we get into talking about conspiracy theories, one of the reasons I want to talk to you is my understanding you actually teach a class on conspiracy theory. Just kind of talk a little bit about what the class entails.
1: At Villanova, I've been lucky enough to teach a class that's called the Rhetoric of Conspiracy Theory. Uh, I knew it was real and it had its own like little number. I'm teaching it right now, and it's, uh, it's, it's usually pretty well received by the students. The, the only thing that is kind of almost negative in a way is that uh, for them that I tell them that we talk about some stuff that's not, you know, all that sexy. We'll talk about things like logic and argumentation and things like that as part of this. But I always think it's part of when they construct a, um, a, you know, kind of their toolkit as to how to kind of think about conspiracy theories and how to potentially negate them. They should have some things in it that they can all, almost automatically go to.
0: And with that in mind, when we say conspiracy theory, because unfortunately that's become part of the... The zeitgeist in American society today. Is there an actual academic definition of conspiracy theory and what falls under that umbrella?
1: I think the, the the first thing that I tell my classes is that there's a difference between conspiracies and conspiracy theories. Conspiracies are kind of the secret agreement by two or more folks that they're going to do something that they feel they can't, you know, publicly show or to display. And and a lot of the stuff that when I read, uh, like more like these clinical definitions, they talk about how these things are, in many cases, pretty mundane. I mean, they're illegals, but they're still mundane things like bribery or drug trafficking or, you know, things like that. And so those are conspiracies, because obviously right now, uh, ex-president Trump has been accused of being involved with conspiracy. Whatever comes of it is something different. But he has been accused of that. So a conspiracy theory, on the other hand, is a little bit more of a alternative story. It's something like, here's what has been accepted. Uh, 9-11, you know, the JFK, the Warren Commission, things like that. There are things that are actually reports that have been out. And a conspiracy theory basically says, I don't quite agree with that. I think there are things that are questionable, things that are perhaps flawed as far as, you know, either the evidence or the arguments that go with it. And so there's an alternative story and it's something that winds up almost really fitting a story. It's something that has a beginning, middle and end in a way. It's uh, these people got together and I think they did these things and they did it for these reasons. And so it's uh you know it winds up being in some cases a conspiracy and the story behind it, it the theory is sometimes vastly different.
0: And I feel like discussions of conspiracy theories in the mainstream are relatively new but the, the concept of the conspiracy theory this is something that's been with us for a, a long time now
1: yeah certainly i think the big call to it was the you know jfk assassination in 63 so we're looking at over what 50 years now in fact it'll be 60 years uh this november and so that is something that i think Because of when it happened and all the things that kind of came after that, it kind of was almost a cascade, I think, of things where people were not trusting the government as much. And issues like this, Vietnam War, other assassinations of Robert Kennedy and, and Martin Luther King Jr., you know, certainly Watergate coming down the line. This was just something that just kind of cascaded into, I think, bigger and bigger, almost like a validation that people were thinking that they couldn't trust the government and that there are other major players and things that they just didn't know, but suspected that, you know, it, it can only be people that were, quote unquote, all powerful, you know, that can kind of do this. But that was, I think, probably where it all started. And 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 it's been in so many other countries, and some of those are way older than America. We're kind of new to the game in some cases with that, but we've certainly caught up over the last 50 or 60 years.
0: What impact has The internet specifically social media had with pushing conspiracy theories to kind of the front of the line because I think the idea of people believing alternate things I, I think probably every group of friends over the years has had somebody that's been a little different with that kind of stuff or contrarian stuff like that but it seems to me all of a sudden when they had the ability to easily kind of reinforce each other and and talk that's a game changer no?
1: Yeah, it it is. You go back to the stereotype of like, you know, there was, like you said, the guy or person who, you know, knew these things that were a little bit, just a little bit off and they would be printing, you know, pamphlets and handing them off in street corners or things like that back in the, you know, 60s or, or 70s. And and now today with uh, social media, like you said, it, 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 I tell my class that the number of conspiracy theories really has not changed over the years, but the ability to access them has changed greatly, and so like you said, you can get people to to wind up with the particular you know details of a story within honestly minutes hours and so where that first guy had probably to wait months to get perhaps a couple of dozen to a hundred people that might be interested that's that's like a minute or three in in today's world. I think that's something that um it's it's hard to fathom how much that has changed and the effect that it has with the conspiracy theory. I mean, when you get people who are able to be in chat rooms or Reddits or subreddits, and they're able to kind of share their ideas of what they think, and they find somebody who shares that, that's a game changer. It really is.
0: Why are conspiracy theories, for lack of a better term, so seductive? Why do so many people, I don't want to say just just fall into the trap, but it seems like a lot more people want to believe that X, Y, and Z happened. And it wasn't what everybody says. Like what, what is it about them that, that draws so many people in?
1: I think there's a couple of major reasons, but I think, you know, when you said people want to believe I I go right back to some, to some extent, I still kind of, you know, quote that from uh, Fox Mulder in the X-Files. He had that big poster in the back of him in his office that says, I want to believe and I think that's a really, apt description of why they are so seductive. I think there's there's three or four major reasons. I think, first of all, um, people, I think for the most part, think of their own lives as being pretty mundane, pretty you know straightforward and stuff. And when you get these kinds of uh, conspiracy theories that are out there, folks really want to kind of read or understand something that's more exciting. You know, here's something that we're talking about, you know, these huge good and evil, Sides and they're constantly against each other, and that makes for like an ultimate kind of story. And I think even if people are kind of thinking, I don't know whether it's true, but I love this idea of the story and how this could play out. I mean, the media has, in the last twenty or thirty years, made a you know a huge genre of how these things can be playing out for people and stories and movies and stuff, and and you get this kind of almost set of um, stock characters you know, you get the mad scientist, you get the political fixer, you get the, the, the people who are, you know, incredibly powerful that you don't even see them, but you know, they're there, you know, and, and they're in the shadows and things like that. And these are things that people just, I think eat up because it puts this drama in the place. And I think we're, we're suckers for a great story, even if it isn't true, you know, like you said, we, we sometimes just want to believe, you know, what if something like that happened? And I think, You're able to get folks to be able to kind of say, if I, you know, am looking at this kind of story and uh, this is a secret that I'm finding out about and I get this glimpse behind a curtain kind of thing, it allows them to kind of say, "I'm, I'm in on this. I'm kind of like, and if they buy into it, like you said, if they decide I'm going to believe it, that's going to, I think, make it a little bit more part of their identity. Because people want to be, you know, involved with these kinds of stories and ideas, even if it's like secondhand. But if they say, I believe in this conspiracy theory, you might not, but I know something that you don't. That helps with their identity, I think. And that helps with this idea that, you know, conspiracy theorists, I think uh, one last thing is that they they buy into this thought that nothing is random. Everything is connected. Mm-hmm. And I think that allows people, even with the mundane or boring lives that they want to consider it that They they don't say, okay, even if somebody else is running and manipulating my life and spinning it, you know, and things I have no control of, I'm almost okay with that because that at least gives me a reason, an explanation about why I always feel like I'm never getting out ahead. I'm never, you know, in the end, uh, getting those things that I, I think I deserve because other people are kind of, you know, taking them from me, but they almost understand that, okay, this is because these people are just so you know, well-placed, all-powerful, incredibly rich. I mean, uh, it, it all kind of just, I think, connects with that.
0: For some of these, I'm curious if there is almost a coping mechanism in addition, because what I mean by that is let's, you know, the Kennedy assassination. This was a popular president, you know, who had at least, you know, was obviously portrayed as this life Camelot, the most powerful executive in the United States, and it's incredibly unsettling that that could all be upended by a drifter in a book depository window. Like, it, it completely overturns that that things are being taken care of and things are protected and all that. But if you believe it's this, you know, group or this co- combination of groups coming together to end it for reasons X, Y, and Z, it almost... Is more comforting than the idea that one crank can can ruin everything.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think the idea that you know whether it's yeah with the JFK, whether it's the uh, CIA, FBI, Russia, the Mafia. I mean, you know, all these potential things. These are well connected groups of people that you can make cases for in a way. And like you said, to have one person potentially you know disrupt a life like that. I think we saw that uh, with the conspiracy theories that came out after Princess Diana was was killed. Um, people were just, you know, loved her and respected her. And and uh, just to see that she got killed in a car accident, even because he was being chased by paparazzi, makes it seem like it's dramatic. But at the same time, it's also a little random as well. You know, In that case, the a driver makes one wrong turn and then all of a sudden they crash into an embankment and an uh, overpass and an underpass and uh, a prance. And so it winds up being something that people, I think, if they can see the rich and the famous and the people who are loved have their lives ended in some cases just with something that seems so random, what does that mean for me? And I think that makes people a little bit more, like you said, it's a coping mechanism, not just for things in the world, but yourself as well. And I think that's something that's important for when we look at why people might be more willing to believe in conspiracy theories.
0: Why then? Because a lot of these theories on the surface, you would say, oh, well, that's interesting. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. But you dig down and there are facts that get in the way or completely disprove or but. All people seem to do in a lot of cases is just shift the narrative, shift the story or work that fact in where it actually works for them in in case. Why are so many of these conspiracy theories and theorists, the people that are all in on it, why are they so immune to facts and logic?
1: It's a good question, because what it kind of comes down to in, in some ways, I think they have a particular audience that is set with them. You know, They, they, many folks, whether, and one thing that's kind of interesting in in, in the field and stuff is when it comes to like actual studies and, and these kinds of stuff, they've been out there kind of, but they've been really just finally ratcheting up over the last five, eight years. Um, before that, it was almost like, why would you want to study that? That's not even a real thing. And so there's a lot of just pseudo- Explanations. And now we're doing a little bit more scientific work, which I think is important to do. And so I think when you look at the reasons why people might kind of believe in them, we we kind of find out that there's kind of two major, there's others, but there's the two major things are whether you, it's more of your ideology, you know, if you're a conservative and you, you see things that the liberals stole the elective, okay, the election, or if it's the other way around, which was actually something that initially the studies were suggesting, if you were more conservative, you would have these things. But now we're finding that, you know, it's it's just the, the people that are in power, the party that's in power, the people that are not, they're the ones that more likely will buy into con- conspiracy theories and stuff.
0: We need to take a break. We will have more with Derek Arnold right after this. This is KYW News Radio In-Depth. And we are back on KYW News Radio In-Depth, continuing our conversation about conspiracy theories with Derek Arnold of Villanova University. Healthy skepticism, in most cases, is a good thing. You shouldn't take a lot of things at face value and are worthy of pushback. But where's the line where healthy skepticism turns into conspiracy theories and and stuff like that like is there you know almost a, an academic look at where you go right up to that line but then past that line is where trouble starts
1: i think so i think the problem is it's hard to kind of say it's academic and make it apply to the, you know everybody i think it's something that makes it a little bit hard sometimes to do but i think what we look at is that i tell my students they are among the potentially most open to conspiracy theories because of potential stories and and things like that. And we tell them in in college to don't doubt something unless you've got evidence against it. And I think this is what I was trying to get to before, the idea that there is, I guess the term in a way is that non-falsifiable is the term. And basically it, it, it essentially says, we don't have evidence in a lot of these cases to prove this, which a conspiracy theorist will essentially say, well, that's because the powers that be don't want us to know that stuff. We could, but we don't get it. Therefore, conspiracy theory. And it's one of those things that a conspiracy theory, like you said with this with this question, they don't have a, a forever lifespan. They should not. But they still kind of do because a conspiracy theorist, sometimes we call it, it's just like moving the goalposts. You know, when you get a thing like the uh, Obama birth certificate kind of thing where, you know, he didn't have a birth certificate. And so when Obama said, fine, after all this, here's a copy of the birth certificate. And they said, ah, yeah, it's a birth certificate, but it's the short form. We want the long form. And then you kind of look at that and then, you know, it, it does come out. And then they say, well, that's because now it's photoshopped. And so when there's no easy way to kind of hem in. So one of the questions I asked my class to to ask somebody, if they've got a conspiracy theory, ask them right out, what would be the evidence that you would need in order to show that your conspiracy theory is wrong? And that if it's there, then would you admit that this is not true? A lot of conspiracy theorists will not go there because whether they're hiding behind, there's no evidence and therefore, it's something that, you know, they they don't need in a way, or it's something that in some cases will never know. And they know that. So it tries to extend the life of that particular conspiracy theory. And that would be one thing, I think, at that point, the idea if something is non-falsifiable, if there's something to where there's no evidence you can point at, then it's not a good theory because you need something in place to show whether your theory is is wrong. Because if not, then it's a law scientific law. And we don't have very many of them because they are just tested and tested and tested again, mostly in things like bio, you know, biology and chemistry and other physical sciences. But when it comes to social sciences, that's when we kind of still need that kind of, you know, strength and in, in kind of proving or disproving. And I think that's maybe the point where we would say, yeah, you know, at, at some point, you know, be open, but at some point, when you don't have the evidence, drop it and just refuse to go back to it until there's Great new evidence to revisit it until that point. Just move
0: on to that point. That was going to be my next question. Like if there's somebody in your life who has gone completely down the rabbit hole, be it one specific one or just, you know, see shadows around every corner. How do you start to how should you approach trying to bring somebody kind of back to reality in a landscape where the the facts and logic to them does just doesn't matter?
1: Yeah. I mean, partly it's it's an idea. What would it take for you to basically just say, yeah, I was I was wrong. Um, But the problem with that, like we were saying before, is that people tend to buy into that partly because of their ideology. It's it's their identity in some ways. They really get so, I think, wrapped up in it. And if they decide, you know, if I say I'm wrong, then that means I'm doubting a, a core part of myself. And that makes it a lot harder. Uh, and, and so you hear within groups like QAnon or something like that, and you get some folks in their family, uh, there's a person that is like the black sheep because they have gone down that rabbit hole and they're not coming back up. And there's nothing that you can say to get them out. I, I would say, I guess you'd start there. But in some cases, it comes down to whether that person is able to kind of agree that there is something that would, you know, say this is wrong. I mean, so much of, of, of conspiracy theories, and I think it's maybe one of the things my classes are maybe more surprised of is the idea it's faith. You are accepting a lot of conspiracy theories on faith because there's not that much in the way of hard evidence to prove these things. So you wind up, you know, adopting that as part of, in a way, kind of corresponding with your identity. And you wind up agreeing with that something. And to deny that is to deny yourself in some ways. If, if, if you've gone far enough down the rabbit hole,
0: like you said. We talk about how the last couple, you know, in recent history, these things have come much more to the mainstream and become something that has to be constantly batted down or or dealt with. Is that trend just going to continue? Or are they going to be our conspiracy theories going to continue to dominate more and more of our discussion and push more and more people off the cliff or do you think the fact that they are more mainstream and maybe more people will take those difficult looks at things and go now you know what i i was wrong and i don't like not talking to my family because depressingly i think we're just going to keep going further and further and it's not gonna the fever is not going to break
1: it's gonna take something i think major in a way i think it, it it might it might be something that a major source of these things winds up being uh, refuted, you know, a major conspiracy theory or two. I think what makes it hard in some cases is you get people that play along with the pattern of conspiracy theories. I mean, one of the bigger conspiracy theories is with uh, Denver's International Airport. And there's all kinds of conspiracies about the new world order. And you look, you go inside and you have all these like, you know, huge uh, portraits and, 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 and murals that are kind of really almost scary in some ways. Um, but they used to have like, they almost, when they built it, they kind of thought this is something that might come down the line. And so they almost like now they embrace it. They used to have like a robot who used to go in the hallways and stuff where people were at. And they would kind of just make comments about, You know, how conspiracies, if you don't go there, if you don't want to find out about this conspiracy, that kind of stuff. And I just found this out the other day, so I don't know if it's embarrassing or not. But if you take the word Illuminati, which, of course, is a group that has always been associated with conspiracies, and reverse it. So it's I-T-A-N-I-M-U-L-L-I dot com. I won't say what you'll find, but I will say that the government does have a sense of humor. It may be with this. And so you get people that are buying into this and playing it. And I think in a way that legitimizes that to speculate is something that is going to keep on continuing. And I do think the other thing that's major about this is that people have weaponized it. They weaponize a conspiracy theory and they, and they work it as a way, like, here's an example of why you can't trust Democrats or you can't trust Republicans or, you know, you wind up with any kind of thing that uh, it makes it harder for you to think about something because again, uh, people are using it to, there's an agenda and they want people to to agree with them. And then that works with things like policies and legislation and uh, buying into agreeing with businesses, things like that. And I think that makes it harder for folks, I think, to be able to see the end of that. Because I think these are things which are relatively newer and I think they're going to extend for a while. So I, I think at least for now, until you find up with two or three ultimate answers to some of these conspiracy theories, which I think is hard to you know predict, But I do think that, you know, sometimes you have to let the system run its course. So this whole steal the election, I guess we'll see with some of these, you know, trials and indictments and stuff, whether we kind of find enough to make people decide, yes, there's always going to be some of those folks who to the bitter end will deny or think that there's a conspiracy theory. But in the end, will more people decide, yeah, this is not really it. I'm I'm moving on. There's not much really else here to look at. It might take a while.